You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. Well, good morning, TVC. My name is Mitch Thompson, and I am one of your church planters. And in a month from today, my wife and I are going to be jumping on a plane and flying to Johannesburg, South Africa to plant Garden City Church. And so if we haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, we'll be out in the lobby afterwards, and we'd love to meet you and tell you a little bit more about what God is doing in South Africa. And this morning, we're going to be reading from the book of Joshua, chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. It says this, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from out here of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And this is the word of the Lord. Hey guys, Pastor Matt here. Unfortunately, I can't be here today, but trust me, it's going to be absolutely fine. Uh, Adam Paul has been on staff with us now for a little over two years. He actually helps in the recovery ministries in our care department. And he is a gifted, spirit-filled man of God who cares deeply for the souls of others. Uh, In fact, I think where he flourishes is, is not in meetings that organize or, but he flourishes when he's walking hand in hand with people through the highs and lows of life. And I think you'll pick up on that as he preaches God's word to us today. Would you guys welcome Adam Paw to the stage? All right. That's the third time I've seen that video and I still can't believe Chandler made a video about me. You know, like mama, I made it, you know, I made it somewhere. Uh, uh, every service I've just got like so nervous beforehand. And then I just like look out and I, and I see my church fam. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. I got my fam here. I got my church fam. Uh, Just really grateful to be here with you today. Uh, Grateful to go to a church that supports care and recovery spaces. All right. Not every church can say that. Trust. And we have a leadership and a congregation who supports care and recovery. So I speak for the whole care department, department, Summer and Mari and Christy and Julie. We say thank you and thank God that we go to a church that supports care and recovery. So if I could point you to a few of our lines in our vision statement. I was told if I read part of the vision statement, Josh Patterson would be happy. Uh, Josh Patterson's the boss and your boy needs a paycheck. I got four kids. So let's read, uh, let's read part of the vision statement. Uh, we are a refuge for the broken and suffering to receive hope and care in a place where God heals and enriches marriages. We de- demonstrate the ministry of presence as we rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those 
Good morning. Hey, this is going to take all of us to pull this off because care happens in every one of our spaces. Uh, You are going to have to be the one who offers refuge to people. You are going to be the one who has to offer the ministry of presence. And trust, there's going to be a day coming where you need that refuge and you need that ministry of presence. So this is going to take all of us, but this is part of the vision statement that the care department extra, extra plays in. Uh, And so if you need to reach out for support, for help, if I say anything in the sermon that you want some more info on, uh, you can email us up at at the care email. We'll also have recovery leaders here at the front. Uh, after service that you can come up and talk with them or Connection Central can hook you up or go to the website. I uh, would love to get connected with you and help support you. Uh, so here would be my challenge to you this morning. Real quick, off the jump. Uh, thank God for our recovering care spaces, but thank God for this space. Never take this gathering for granted. So thank someone for their service today. The band, the camera people, the production team, the parking lot team, the connection team, the children's ministry team, the facilities team. Uh, Thank the security team. Come at those brothers a little bit different, but thank the security team. And I actually didn't mean for you to clap. I actually meant for you to actually say thank you to someone when you see them in the halls, okay? So, like, thank someone for their service. Uh, The attitude of gratitude is important, man. The attitude of gratitude helps us remember correctly. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about remembering correctly. If we can remember correctly this morning, we can move forward differently. We can go outside those doors differently than we came in if we can remember correctly. So that's what we're talking about this morning. Uh, Something I want to tell you about me is I I love boxing, all right? I love boxing. No one ever, I love football, all right? How about that? I love football, all right? Here we're at cultural competency and you know where I'm at. Okay, I love football. No, I love boxing. Um, I love boxing movies. One of my favorite boxing movies is the Creed movie series. Creed comes out of the Rocky movie series, for those of you who know Rocky. Uh, And if you're not a boxing fan or don't like boxing movies, it's actually a lot. There's a lot in these movies. It's way more than just about boxing. But in Creed 3, Creed is fighting one of his childhood friends for the world championship. And this friend and him, when they were children, uh, they spent a significant amount of their childhood in foster care. And sadly, one of their foster homes was abusive. And because of the trauma and abuse of this foster home, it impacted their lives. It impacted how they interacted with each other as they grew up. It, it, it impacted things. And so at the end of the movie, they have this fight. They're back in the locker room afterwards, and they're basically making amends to each other. And Creed says to his friend, he's like, hey, man, for everything that went down when we were children and everything that's happened since then, man, that's on me. Like, I'm sorry. And his friend looked at him and said, bro, it's not on you. We were just kids. We were just kids. And then Creed looked back at him and said, well, then, man, it's not on you either. See, what they were able to do is they were able to help each other go back and look at their story. This is why story work is so important. And they were able to remember correctly. They were just kids in a really jacked up, abusive situation. It wasn't their fault. And the decisions they made because of that, that wasn't their fault. Now, listen, things are going to happen to you in life that's not your fault. It is your responsibility, though, to move forward. But you have to first go back and remember correctly. Remembering correctly is important. And maybe that doesn't hit you, but you get it, right? Remembering correctly is good. Forgetting, not so great. Anybody ever forget your anniversary? Don't raise your hand. But you know, the not, not good. If you ever forgot what's on a test, not good. Had that awkward conversation with someone where you forgot their name, all right? You're like, hey, what's up, Bob, buddy? And he's like, bro, it's Felix. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, awkward, forgetting, not that good. And so God knows that. And so he's telling the Israelites here in Joshua 4, remember correctly. 
This is actually a set of verses that we cover every Wednesday night in recovery. We call it Stones of Remembrance. It's an opportunity at the end of our recovery night to respond and grab a stone and to remember what God has done, is doing, and will do. And it comes from Joshua 4. But maybe you've never joined us in recovery or you don't know what this story is or where we are in the storyline of Scripture. So let me give you a, like a quick overview of Joshua 4. Uh, let's use... Moses as a marker. Everybody knows Moses, right? You know Momo, right? Everybody knows Moses. All right. So Moses, he, he's dead. He's gone. All right. He's in glory. All right. Along with all of the Israelites that were following Moses. This was the generation of Israelites that were freed from Egyptian slavery. God busts open the Red Sea and they all walk on through into freedom. All right. That generation kept forgetting about God. And they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. And they have now all passed on. And here in Joshua, we have a new generation of Israelites. And we have a new leader, Joshua. And what just happened in Joshua 4 is really significant. They just came into the promised land. God just delivered them into the promised land. A land that God promised them hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years earlier to Abraham. And so God is telling the Israelites here in Joshua 4, remember correctly, I keep my promises. I do what I say I'm going to do. You can trust me. All right, so I keep my promises. And then how did he do it? Well, very similar to what he did for the Red Sea, he busts open the Jordan River and everybody in the nation passes through. If you look at Joshua chapter three, you'll see it's at flood stages. It's unpassable. He opens that mug up and they all go through into the promised land. So God is saying, I keep my promises and don't forget I am powerful. I am a powerful God. Will you turn to a to neighbor and say, God keeps his promises. Now turn to another, a little bit more convincingly this time. Turn to your other neighbor and say, God is powerful. You guys are the 11 o'clock. Wake up. Come on. All right. Now, if you forget that, though, it's not that great. It's not that great. Um, one of my first weeks on staff, I received a phone call from a guy on the other side of the world. And he called in, and man, this man was broken. He was in so much pain. And he just kept on saying, I've broken my covenant. I've broken my covenant. I've broken my covenant. I've broken my covenant. Uh, and so I said to him, so this is what I said. I said, bro, like, man, God don't love you no more. It's over for you. I didn't say that. Okay, you know I didn't say that. All right. But that's what the man was feeling. He was feeling that way. It's so easy to feel that way, right? Another relapse, another mistake. You promised you'd never do it again, and you did it again. So what I actually said to him is I said, man, like, I appreciate you recognize that, like, there's a weightiness to sin, and there's consequences to sin. I mean, sin is serious. I appreciate that you get that. Uh, I appreciate that you are uh, valuing confession. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that it seems like you're valuing a repentance. There's a difference between confession and repentance, by the way. But that's a whole other thing. Um, and, I, and I was like, I want to help you, man. I want to give you resources. I want to give you practical things you can, you can use. Uh, I want to try to get you connected with some churches in your area. But let me tell you about the gospel. The gospel is not about the covenant that you make to God. The gospel is about the faith that you put in God's covenant that he has made to you in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And he keeps his covenant. He keeps his promises. So in the word of God, when it says nothing can separate you from the love of God, that means nothing can separate you from the love of God. And you can trust that because he keeps his promises. That's the gospel. That's good news. But if we forget that, man, we make a mess of things. We try to start figuring things out on our own. Uh, we say in recovery, our best thinking got us here, 
right? So we try to figure it out and make a bigger mess of things. It causes, it, it, uh, causes more despair, right? prolongs our pain when we forget that we cannot be separated from God. And so I think it's important for us to remember that. Um, but I think you probably get it, right, that it hurts you when you forget about God, right? The, the Israelites, they wandered around the, the wilderness for 40 years. They forgot. It hurt them. We get that. But I think sometimes we forget that when we forget, it hurts other people. It hurts others. Jen Wilkin, before she transitioned off staff, gave our staff a great, great message. She gave this message from Joshua 2. She gave it to us at our monthly restore. Restore is a time that we gather as a staff where we remember correctly that before we are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right, vocational ministers, we are children of God. It's a great time for us to come and remember. So she was giving us this message from Joshua 2, um, and she was talking about Rahab. You find Rahab here in Joshua 2. Scripture describes her as a prostitute. And one of her challenges to us was we don't ever ask, why was Rahab a prostitute? No little girl grows up thinking, I want to be a prostitute. So what happened? Why? And she said, upon further investigation, what you're going to find is most likely what's happening with Rahab is she is having to pay off a debt for her family. This was a common practice in Canaanite culture where uh, a woman would have to uh, subjugate herself sexually to pay off a debt for her family. Yo, this is broken. This is evil. This is messed up. But yet this was a common practice, an accepted practice. So Jen makes a comment. I wonder how many nights Rahab stayed up at night crying out to God, will you send me help? Will you change this for me? And here we have God's people wandering around in the wilderness. And if they just would have remembered correctly sooner, they could have got there earlier, and maybe, just maybe, her, her reality would have been different. Because God's people would not accept such nonsense. And maybe her life could have looked different. But no, they forgot. It impacts other people. There's a lot of examples I could give you. I wanna just humbly give you this one example about how when we forget it hurts others. Uh, Jeff Haley is one of our care deacons. He cares and disciples many of our men uh, here at the church. And he gave me permission to share this, as Jen did with, with her story. He was telling me that when he cares and disciples men uh, who are married and uh, their wife has, made, has described him as abusive, sexually, physically, emotionally, verbally, financially abusive, or anything other kind of destructive behavior, when his wife makes that description of her pain, is calling out and sharing her pain of her reality and what she's going through, and that husband's response to this is one of defensiveness, one of rationalization, one of blaming. I, I believe Jeff, he's a very kind man, but I bet he says this very directly. He's like, bro, that's the problem. That you would not hear your wife's pain and hear her description and your response would be one of defensiveness and not one of a broken heart? Not one of, oh my gosh, my wife said this about me? My wife described our relationship this way? She described her pain that way? That would not break your heart. Jeff reminds the men rightly. If you could just position yourself differently, now you can go forward. But you have to first remember correctly. Position yourself rightly. 
And I think I would just add on to that a few things. Brother, I think you've probably also forgotten that you are called to love your wife like Christ loved the church, which is sacrificially. That your wife is made in the image of God. That God loves your wife. And hey, listen, God loves you. I don't co-sign on that nonsense, but don't forget about the covenant that God has made with you. He loves you, man. I suspect that you're probably hurt people hurt people. There's things in your past, things that you're acting out of that you need some healing for. And you need to go back and you need to remember correctly. We have groups for you. We have men that will walk alongside you. We don't have any, we don't want to cast you out, man. But you are going to have to remember correctly and position yourself rightly. And women, I would just share for those in here who have been abused or are being abused, um, I just want you to know you have a church who loves you and cares for you. Before I was a ministry, I was a social worker, and I was at a domestic violence workshop, and there was a woman who was sharing her story of abuse. And uh, she, she made this comment. She's like, you know, everybody always asks me, how can you stay with a man that physically hits you and hurts you? How could you stay in that relationship? She's like, well, it's not, it's not quite that simple. It's a little bit more complex than that. So she goes on to share her story. Uh, they started dating. It seemed okay. There were some red flags. He made fun of her a lot and kind of controlled, kind of some controlling behaviors, but, but nothing serious. And they get married. They end up having kids. Uh, she's staying at home. Husband is working. Uh, so she's starting to feel stuck at some point because financially she doesn't really have any movement. He's got all the financial kind of flexibility. Um, and then it kind of starts ramping up where he is starting to verbally abuse her and emotionally abuse her. And I will never forget what she said. She said, when he finally did hit me, I didn't care about myself. I had no value anymore. That's how damaging emotional and verbal abuse does to a person. She had no value anymore. Now, I don't share that to say that that is prescriptive of all the progression of all abuse situations. I'm not sharing. I'm just describing what she shared with, with me and with us. But I do want to let you know, women, that if you do come forward for help, here's one thing I can promise you. We're going to remind you correctly of who you are, that you do have value, and that you do have worth, and God gets the final say on who you are. Okay. okay let's breathe. Okay, let's breathe for a second. All right. Uh, everybody, deep, deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. All right. That's, that's more for me. Thanks. Okay. Um, so this is probably a good time. Let's remind each other of the power of God, okay? Because when we remember the power of God, we can have hope. The way God revealed himself to me was I was in high school, I wasn't a Christian, and I had a buddy who invited me to a Bible study. Now, listen, I don't remember knowing it was a Bible study. I thought we were just going to a friend's house to hang out. I didn't know how shady Christians were, like they invite you somewhere, throw that Jesus juke on you, right? So I get there, and there's a minister standing in front of me, and he's, and he's like, here's what we're gonna do tonight. We're going to pray for someone that we're worried about. And so I gathered up with a group of my buddies, and we prayed for my friend Brent. Brent was one of my best friends, but I hadn't seen him in about two years. Uh, drug game, drug addiction took him down, isolated him. That's what addiction does. It isolates you. Uh, and so I hadn't seen him in a few years. So we gather in this group, and I had never really prayed before like this. And so I just was just like, God, help him, save him, Some, something like that. That was a Friday night. Brent called me Saturday morning, and he said, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. 
All right. We had never talked about Jesus, right, before. Like, he liked to talk about, like, black lights and lizards and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles. All right. That was his kind of thing. All right. Never Jesus. And so he called me up. I said, oh, I actually can't say what I said. I said, oh, shoot. Like, shoot. Uh, I said, bro, we just prayed for you last night. He's like, I know. I already called Travis. He's going to take me to church uh, this next week. A week after that, Brent's in my backyard, and he's got a Bible in his hand, and he's swinging it around my backyard. He's like, I want to use this as a sword the rest of my life. And I was like, uh-oh, uh, he's still high. Uh, right? I didn't know. that. I never heard the metaphor there. Um, and sure enough, this man has been a preacher in Minnesota for several years at a great church. That's the power of God. That's the power of God. I went back that next week to that Bible study. The simple gospel was preached, and I responded to it. And one of the reasons I responded to it, because I knew our God was powerful. See, in Joshua 1, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. Tells him three different times. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. But that's within the context of Joshua remembering correctly right, that God keeps his promises, mainly the one that he is with him and that he is powerful. So he's not asking Joshua and he's not asking you to be superhuman. He's just asking us to be human and remember correctly that God keeps his promises, that he is with us and that he is powerful. That's what he's asking us to do. And when we can remember that correctly, it's a game changer. It is a game changer for, and I could talk about so many different impacts, but let me just talk about two because I'm running out of time. One, if you remember correctly, you will ask for help. Not you can. You will ask for help if you remember correctly. Some of the most strong and courageous people I know at this church are the ones who walk into recovery and care groups on Wednesday nights. Those people who are saying, the grief in my life is crushing me. I need help. Those parents of prodigals who have gone astray or are stuck in addiction, they just don't know how to navigate it all. And they're saying, I need help. Parents of LGBTQ plus people who they don't, their parents don't agree with what they're choosing, but those are their kids and they love them and they want them to live and they, they want to figure out how do we do this. And they say, we need help. Marriages who are on fire saying, we need help. Brothers and sisters stuck in addiction, drug, alcohol, sex, pornography, addiction, and it's causing chaos for their life and chaos for those in their, in their world. And they're saying, I need help. Women who have been abused, men who are, being, are abusive saying, we need help. Women who have gotten an abortion, who say, I don't want to heal anymore on my own. I need a group of people to walk with me. I need help. Teen moms who find themselves having to do this thing, all the complexities of being a mom at such a young age, saying, I, I need help. Men and women struggling with depression and anxiety, they just want some relief, and they're saying, I need help. These are the most strong and courageous people I know. That's strength. That's courage. And so, just so you know, if you reach out for help, if you come to the light and you ask for help, Right? And you're like, what is my church going to think about me? We're going to think that's a strong and courageous person. That's what we're going to think. And we're going to have so much hope for you. Man, when someone finally stops self-protecting and they just finally step into the light and say, I'm a mess, I need help, there's something going on, that's when I have the most hope for people. We're going to have so much hope for you. And we're going to lift your eyes to Jesus every single time because that's where your strength and that's where your courage is gonna come from because you're gonna need it. This is gonna be a process. It's gonna be a journey. Don't just happen like that. It's gonna take some time. So we're gonna continue to remind you of where your strength and your courage comes from. That's how we're gonna think about you. That's what we're gonna offer you. 
Here's the second thing, though. It gets even better, yo. Okay, here's the second thing. When you remember correctly, right, you will join God in doing amazing things, right? We are called to a life of purpose, not purposelessness. We have purpose, Christians. Uh, what, I've loved the month of prayer. The month of prayer has been great. It's helped to remind me correctly. I've been seeing people at stores, seeing neighbors, having different kind of conversations. I'm remembering, oh, I'm, I'm on mission. I have a purpose here. It's, it's really, really helped me remember correctly. Uh, but one thing God has called my wife uh, and I to join him in is we've always felt called to foster an adoption. When I look at scripture, it seems pretty clear. God cares for the orphan. When I look at church history, right, the church, big C church and history has always taken care of the orphan. It's kind of what we do, Christian. And yet, I do need to read you some sad statistics. I got this from Terilyn Amen. She helps recruit foster and adoptive families here at TVC. This is in Denton County, our county. 619 children are currently in foster care. 217 of them were placed outside of the county of Denton. That's a big deal. You might not understand why. Not only did these kids just lose their bio family, now they've had to leave their whole community, schools, churches, sports teams, whatever it is. They might, they might be placed on the other side of Dallas. It's a big deal because nobody here will foster. There's currently 131 children who need adoption. Just waiting, 131. Many of them are teenagers. It's really hard to get a teenager adopted. Uh, I would just ask you guys, were you ready to take on the world as a teenager? Some of you guys had to. Would you prescribe that for somebody else? So I do have to ask us, like, like, what are we doing? What, what are we doing, church? Denton County Church is like, what are we doing? See, here's what I think happens. We get a little fired up. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, we should do that. We should foster. We should adopt. Then you get scared. Let's be honest. You get scared. All right? Now you go, ooh, this is going to be kind of hard. Ooh, oh, this is going to cost me a lot. Ooh, what about vacation? And you start getting scared about what's gonna, what it's going to cost you. And so what I'm asking you humbly is when you get scared, would you remember correctly, all right? That if God has called you to it, he's gonna be with you through it. He's with you and he has the power. So step in. And maybe it's not foster and adoption, but God is calling you something that's close to the Father's heart. And like Jesus, you wanna be about the Father's business. Don't shrink back, remember correctly and step in. We have been called to a life of purpose. Can someone say amen, please? That's all I got. I can't do any better than that. Sorry. All right. We've been called to a life of purpose. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to remind each other of these things. We need to help each other because it comes at a cost to ask for help and to step in and do amazing things with God. It comes at a cost. So we need each other to support each other. Uh, this is why we have home groups. This is why we have other ministry spaces uh, where we join together and we encourage each other. Uh, some of us, I will say, we just don't know the truth. That's why biblical literacy is so important. That's why we need training program and men's and women's Bible classes and core classes so we can know the truth and remember those truths correctly. Uh, but I want to speak specifically real quickly to the middle school and high school students. I want so badly for you to remember correctly this morning. Would you please prioritize your student ministry spaces, your groups, your mentors? Because I want for your generation, a generation that's not hearing this when they're in their 40s. Oh, I should ask for help? Oh, I should join God in doing amazing things? No, I want that from you, for you off the jump, right? For like your generation would be known as a generation that lives differently. Why? Because you're in those spaces and you're remembering correctly. I want that so bad for you students. And parents of children, right? Would you prioritize children's ministry spaces? All right, do you know how many adults I meet with 
right? That when life hits the fan, the reason they have returned back is because they remember something they learned in Sunday school, some nice person that they met, and now life's hit the fan and they return. Prioritize this for your children. But with all that said, that was just my intro. Okay, so that's, uh, that, that's Matt's joke, right? That was my intro. Here's Joshua 4. All right, Joshua 4, uh, 1 through 7. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe of man, a common, and command them, saying, to take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the, of, of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet f- stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where, you're, where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulders, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, When your children ask the time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passes over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So God commands the people here in Israel to remember by two ways. And I think this is helpful for us. Number one, he commands, build a memorial. Right? Like I said, we do this every week in recovery. We do a stone's invitations. By the way, you're about to have an opportunity to come get your own stone, okay? And listen, my kids wash 3,000 of these things, so you best come get yourself a stone, all right? <laughs> all right, so, but we do this every night in recovery where we can come up and get a stone to remember correctly, to remember what God has done. Uh, a sister in recovery sent me this picture. This, was her, this is her memorial that she's building. Look at that, isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. Um, we, we carry around these stones in our pockets. We put them at work. We put them in our car. We have them, in our, we have them at home. And just when we see them to remind, remind ourselves correctly, to remind ourselves of what God has done, is doing, and will do. You're not going to be superhuman. You need a memorial to help you remember. And then the second thing we see in this verse is you testify. You te- when someone sees your memorial and they ask you, what is that? You testify to what God has done. Your children ask you what that means. You testify to what the Lord has done. Shoot, someone doesn't even see your memorial. You testify to what the Lord has done. Because when you testify, you prophesy over someone else that what God has done for you, he can do it for them. And when you testify, you remember correctly. Every time I share that story about Brent, I remember that God, God is powerful and he changes things through prayer. I remember that every time I testify. So we build a memorial and we testify. So I asked a few of our recovery leaders if they would be strong and courageous and share part of their story to testify and to talk about what stones of remembrance mean for them. So if you will, watch this video with me. Hi, my name is Jody Powell and I am a recovery leader. just let me know when you're ready. All right. Hey, so my name is Corey. Uh, I'm a recovery leader here uh, for Men's Life Struggles. Um, Yeah, just uh, God through his love and power um, just healed me from a lot of like hurt and childhood trauma. Um, And it really just impacted me um, just through relationships. um, And that can manifest itself in anger, um, trust, insecurity. Uh, Sin in my life would create shame. Shame would create fear, which would then cause me to lie, to hide in it. And it really just developed a stronghold in my life that, that affected each part of it. As a homeschooling Christian mom, 
I have struggled with believing that how my children turn out and their actions or reflect on who I am as, as a mother. And I falsely believed I somehow failed because my kids didn't look or act a certain way. Yeah, and though on the outside I looked like everything was fine, on the inside I was uh, completely torn and broken. Uh, instead of turning to him, to, instead of going to him, uh, I turned to, to sin. Um, anxiety and fears are just overwhelming. They can be paralyzing. And I know that I did not want that to be my life, and I want to live in peace that God gives me and the way that He intended for me to live. Lord rescued me out of a life focused on myself, uh, living for myself, uh, doing whatever felt best to me, whether it was drugs or alcohol, treating women as sexual conquests instead of uh, daughters of the king. Um, he had a life that was so much more full for me that he wanted for me. And that wasn't about me, it was about him. Three years ago, I went through a very difficult separation that culminated in divorce. I struggled with an enormous amount of loneliness, solitude, and negative emotions. After a while, I started to believe lies and give in to those emotions. I turned to the world to cope and just made a bigger mess of myself. We were a train wreck, and between my infidelity and his hidden addiction, we were just headed for a path of destruction. My name is Marlene, and I grew up in an abusive home. I came to recovery because I was broken and angry with God, and my trauma and my anger hurt those I loved. God revealed to me what was under my anger and called me to surrender, grieve, and release my hurt and pain. God brought me healing and healing to those I hurt. For us, recovery has been a huge blessing with the community it's brought around us. Um, just having the people to come alongside us, to encourage us, to call us out when we need calling out, to um, just laugh and cry with us and good times and bad. Um, and really it's just been something that has put a good rhythm in our lives of just remembering what God's done and being able to see how far he's brought us from where we were to, um, yeah, the growth that we've seen in our marriage and the love that we've had for each other, a completely new marriage now. What he did for us individually and for our marriage can be done for anyone. Um, it's the power of Jesus. And we get to testify and point people to Jesus uh, every time we're serving in marriage reconciliation ministry. He drew me out of the muck and the mire of despondency loneliness and he put my feet back upon the rock. Um, I've picked up the stone of remembrance uh, to show that the gospel has broken through my shame uh, and has clothed me with honor. So I grab a stone to remember, um, you know, what God has done through, through just recovery and his mighty work. He's done a work in my life. Acts uh, 20. 24 is my life verse that says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. In the recovery ministry, I'm reminded each week to have hope. I get to turn around and serve others by testifying to God's goodness and grace. This stone reminds me, gives me an opportunity to testify that I don't need to take any sin to my grave because Jesus has already taken them all to His. It reminds me 
And then the crushing and the pressing. He's making new wine. And Jesus says, you don't put new wine in old wineskin. Gives me an opportunity to testify that I walk in a new freedom. Yes, because of salvation, but also through the power, the redeeming power of confession and repentance. Strength and courage, right? Strength and courage. Uh, we would love to have you join us at Recovery. We're here in this room uh, every Wednesday at 6.30. Ironically, except for this Wednesday, all right? <laughs> the following Wednesday, this Wednesday, we're not going to be gathering. But 95% of the Wednesdays, we're here. We would love to have you uh, join us. Let me add my testimony. Uh, about six years ago, my wife and I went through a very complex kind of grief. And, and it broke me in ways I did not know I could be broken. I didn't have this term then, but I've learned it since that I was struggling with passive suicide ideation. What that means is I wasn't gonna hurt myself, but I just didn't wanna live anymore. The pain was so much every morning, I was just so tired of hurting, I was ready to go home. Praise God for a recovery community around me. Uh, Praise God for a great church in Atlanta, uh, for good friends and good family that helped me. But one thing that I developed to cope with this was I just decided that I was done feeling. I would hurt no more. I mean, I had cried for six months straight and I was tired. And I just decided I will do, I will never feel again. And I just decided that. So anytime I started to feel any kind of emotion, I just pushed it down. You can imagine some of the consequences of that. One of them was I was emotionally unavailable to my wife. And if you've ever been in a relationship like that, you know how difficult that could be. She was already hurting enough, but she then now was hurting without her husband being able to be present with her. One of the graces of God was I came here to TBC. I went through the steps process. And my, my mentor, Gary, which was in the video, who was in the video, um, he helped me see that I was making agreements with myself that were not from God. All right, Jesus was a deeply emotional man who felt. And I needed to feel again. And I'll tell you, when I started feeling again, I was like able to start healing and so I've picked up a stone. I made amends to my wife, which, which was hard, by the way. Made amends to my wife, and I picked up this stone to, never, to remember to never make agreements with myself that are not from God. All right, that's mine. So you're going to have an opportunity for your own stone to come pick up one. So recovery leaders, if you'll come, the recovery leaders are going to come. They're going to have these buckets of uh, rocks. Stones are going to be all around the room. Uh, it's probably going to be easiest is, is if the ones who are coming up front, if you'll come down the center aisle and then go out the sides. But there'll be recovery leaders in the back and also the front. There'll be prayer team members on the sides and on the back as well. Maybe you pick up a stone and you go get prayed over. So ask yourself right now, what is God revealing to you? Maybe you need to remember that God keeps his promises. Maybe you need to remember that he is powerful. Maybe you need to remember that there is hope in Jesus. Maybe you need to remember about the joy of your salvation. Fam, this isn't the end for us. We have the hope of glory ahead of us. Maybe God's reminding you, he's reminding you to to be praying for Israel and West Bank and Gaza and all the pain that's happening right now. We need to be able to get out of ourselves, fam, and be praying for other people. There's a lot of broken and hurting people right now. It says God is close to the broken heart. There's a lot of broken hearted people right now in Israel. We need to be praying for them. 
One of my hopes is that you'll pick up a stone to memorialize the day that you became a Christian. That you decided today, the Spirit met you in a way and you have finally decided to surrender your life to Jesus. And this stone will be a memorial for you to remember this day forever. Regardless of what it is, this is your opportunity to respond. And so if you would stand with us, we got plenty of time, the band's gonna play. Uh, But hey, I mean, but move, please. All right, so don't just sit there. But when you're ready, come up, get a stone, and we'll see what God has for us. Let's respond.